Welcome to the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast, show number 326, Finance Friday Edition, where we interview Alexis and Max and talk about horses, high income, taxes, and because we're bigger pockets, real estate. One reason we're doing that is because we we do want to continue, you know. We, we've been in this mindset of like, we got to save for the next house. We got to save for the next house. So we've been just working so much to be able to just, we got to keep everything steady so that we can continue to save for this passive income. But now we are looking at the numbers and we're like, okay, we've kind of reached our, our, uh, our fine number or whatever, but, um, we're still, I guess we're still just afraid and uh, there's lots of things we would do. Hello, hello, hello. My name is Mindy Jensen and with me as always is my so excited about everything all the time co-host Scott Trench. Is that me, Mindy, or is that you? That's me. Okay. Uh, with me as always is Scott. <laughs> Thank you, Mindy. That's much more realistic. <laughs> Scott and I are here to make financial independence less scary, less just for somebody else, to introduce you to every money story because we truly believe financial freedom is attainable for everyone, no matter when or where you're starting. That's right. Whether you want to retire early and travel the world, go on to make big-time investments in assets like horses, or start your own business, we'll help you reach your financial goals and get money out of the way so you can launch yourself towards those dreams. Scott, I am super excited about today's episode because we talk about something I've never heard of, well, I've heard of, something I've never done before, investing in horses, with somebody who knows what he's doing. I will say that if you think this is a fun story, note when Max actually started with his horse ventures. This is a lifelong pursuit, literally. And uh, I think that he's got a, uh, a great story. I think he and his wife have a fabulous financial position. And this is an interesting uh, look into, I have money, but I also hate debt. And personal finance is personal, I think, comes shining through in this particular episode because, yes, they could be do- doing more with their money, but debt is something that Max doesn't want to have. So don't go get it, Max. Yeah, I, I think it's a fascinating um, situation. It's a, uh, a a thought exercise rather than really a money problem in this particular uh, episode because they're su- they have such a strong financial position. But I think it's it's valuable to get a peek into the problems that exist at all. Uh, stages of the wealth building journey. Yes. And stay tuned to Scott's really amazing discuss- announcement when you when you diagnose the problem. That was a lot of fun, Scott. When it comes to financial guidance, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When Mindy and I want to upgrade our wallets, we turn to NerdWallet. Scott's right. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, Mindy and I were paying for vacations in cash, missing out on miles, and not even knowing what we're leaving on the table. But now we're flying through the skies for free, thanks to our new cards with more miles and upgrades than ever. So if you want more travel rewards, hotel upgrades, or airport lounge access, no matter where you go next, let NerdWallet help you make it happen with a killer travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at NerdWallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval, and terms of each credit card issuer apply. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. 
Deciding how to invest your capital can be extremely challenging, especially when the market is constantly changing. That's why it's never been more important to partner with a company that has a great track record. The BAM Capital executive team has successfully navigated through the Great Recession, COVID-19, and the current interest rate environment while delivering maximized returns to their partners. BAM Capital is a trusted multifamily syndicator with over $1.3 billion in transactions, delivering a historical average of over 35% IRR with an average hold period of three and a half years. BAM Capital has consistently paid preferred return distributions for over 50 consecutive months, has not lost limited partners capital, and has not called capital past the subscription amount. BAM Capital's disciplined investment strategy is targeting undermanaged institutional quality trophy assets throughout the U.S. heartland for accredited investors who are looking for generational wealth building or monthly income opportunities. Their offerings target cash flow stability, capital preservation, long-term appreciation, and accelerated tax benefits. Join BAM Capital's over 1,200 investors across 44 states and get started today at BAMCapital.com. Again, that's BAMCapital.com. Before... We bring in Alexis and Max. I must tell you, the contents of this podcast are informational in nature and are not legal or tax advice, and neither Scott nor I nor Bigger Pockets is engaged in the provision of legal, tax, or any other advice. You should seek your own advice from professional advisors, including lawyers and accountants and tax professionals, regarding the legal, tax, and financial implications of any financial decision you contemplate. Alexis and Max have the very fortunate position of generating a lot of income. They also have a very impressive net worth and a large gap between their spending and income. They are extremely averse to debt and looking for ways to increase their real estate holdings to further cushion their position. Alexis and Max, welcome to the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast. Hi guys, Hi. thank you. I'm so excited to talk to you today. I am going to jump into your numbers and I'm going to do things a little bit differently. I'm going to read them off today just to give us a really quick look at where you at what's coming in and where it's going. So I'm going to look at your income, which is approximately $8,000 with an additional $4,600 in rental income. And this doesn't include your horse sales income, which is approximately $8,000 a month, give or take. Yeah. Is there is there a number of transactions per year that would be a better way to think about it? Like four or five sales per year? That's a really good point, Scott, because no. that that aver- like the eight thousand is extremely variable. That um, yeah, that, the income is very very yeah. It could be prop, you know, it could be between like four and eight transactions a year, and it kind of levels out to around eighty or eight thousand a month, right? But you essentially buy a horse, train it up to perform its its task, whether yeah, and then sell it to somebody who will use it for that that purpose, yes. right? So yes, correct. Could you, could you just, could you describe that, that next one, one more layer, layer deep there so folks can understand? Cause I probably butchered that. So what I do usually is I'm specialized in young horses in that discipline called reining and, um, which is like Western dressage. Pretty yeah, much. pretty much to make it quick. And, uh, and so what I do is I train, um, young horses to be a uh, good prospect and uh and become also a very valuable um horse in the market and uh and try to either sell it or go show it or send it to uh the top showman that will in the industry that will go and show it so um yeah uh the process is pretty simple i I get young horses in the beginning of january and in about six months to a year uh depending on their ability 
and their talent, uh, they will become very valuable or not a piece of property. So the thing that Max isn't saying that I will say for him, because he's much more of an expert than I am in this field, is that he, from a very young age, has studied bloodlines ex- like to to the max. Yeah, bloodlines. <laughs> he, and- he knows his bloodlines very well, his pedigrees really well, and so he can really identify... Um, yeah, you good. can identify a lot just by papers on a horse and watching a horse. Yeah, you have to watch a horse. The paper will not tell you everything about it. It will just tell you how well the parents done and is that combination of that mom and the sire will be a good one. And also, you have to look at the prospect um, himself and see yeah. if he's going to be a good mover, a good-minded horse, and try to make the best out of it. And uh, and then after the the price of those horses is there's no regulation. So I mean it can go it can go very low. You can lose money, and we lost some money, um, but um, you can make a lot of money too. And um, it's worth what someone's willing to pay for it. Yes, on a exactly. Like last year, for example, to give you one of the good horses we bought, we bought it for twenty five thousand, and in three months we turned it and sold it for a hundred thousand. And then what well, was? I mean, we had a few really good sales. Yeah, so, yeah, we got very awesome. And so, so you are a cowboy, a French cowboy living <laughs> yes. in Texas. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. <laughs> 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 Perfect. All right. It yeah. Is got, true. Got yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Horse flipping cowboy. Perfect. This is great. Yeah. <laughs> this yes. Is yes. A unique that's experience that's for Mindy and I on the podcast here. So thank yes. you. Yeah. Okay. And so, so so that is variable income. And then you said eight thousand dollars in or when you said eight thousand dollars in income, where does that come from on a monthly basis? Is that is that an additional source of income or is that just the average rate of these sales? No, uh so uh, my company train horses for also the public, not just me and Alexis or other partners. So if you guys buy a horse and decide to send it to me, you're going to pay me a, a fee every month to train and take care of your horse. And part of it, there's a lot of expense in that, that I have to pay to take care of your horse just for keeping him alive. But there's a part of that fee that is going to come to me to get paid. And so... um Part of the eight thousand is simply a salary that my company pay me. So to summarize, you get paid eight thousand dollars a month in salary, and on top of that, you have rental properties, and on top of that, you have various number, varying numbers of transactions that can be good, bad, or ugly um, from your horse training and flipping business. Yes, and and the eight thousand is the the salary of Alexis and my salary, the total. Okay, the total of both of our salaries is eight. Yes. And then on top of that, we have rental income. And then on top of that, we have the variable income of the horse transactions. The yeah, buying and in competition too. So we separate out Max's salary from the variable distribution. So you can think about it as just like an owner distribution. Like, So if we have a great month of sales, we can do a $12,000 owner distribution. And um, it, our company set up as an S-corp entity. So we can do the 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 distribution that month, for example. So for the sake of example, we put 8,000 here um, for you guys. Great. Well, let's keep going with this financial snapshot. I think we've got a good understanding of the business and income um, or as good as we're going to get in the uh, in the early stages here with a unique business or new, unique new to us business um, 
But let's keep going with the financial snapshot, Mindy. Okay. So where that money is going is $150 in gas, $200 in eating out, $100 for date night, $50 for fun money, $50 for clothes, $200 for travel, $150 for animals. I'm assuming that is not horse feed. $600 for groceries. No. <laughs> $720 for child care. $50 for a person's name here. I'm assuming that is the child that you have. Yes. $150 miscellaneous, $95 for Verizon. I see an opportunity to transfer to uh, Mint Mobile for $10 a month or $15 a month. Um, but still, that's like a drop in the bucket. $160 for car insurance, $250 for personal CapEx, which I love this concept. Doctor, dentist, random personal capital expenditures. I love that. $400 for giving, $100 for random household, $300 for taxes. And then you have separated out, which I think is very important for people who may not be in your same financial position, auto debits, Audible, Spotify, Xander, Naked Wine, Kira, Amazon Prime, Amazon Prime Video, health insurance. Those are all like $100 and then health insurance is 688 um, for a grand total of spending $4,500, but let's circle back to the uh, income is 12605 and you're spending 4500 So you have a monthly savings of $8,106.55, which is, you know, that's not bad or amazing. Depending yeah. on who you want to <laughs> who you want to talk to, I think everybody that you would talk to would say, "Holy cannoli, that's fantastic!" So I see that yeah, you are amazing. sending those savings to a brokerage account, thousand dollars, reinvesting in your house is twenty six hundred dollars, and forty five hundred dollars in just savings, which isn't uh, explained here. So I would like to get into that a little bit. But um, let's look at your debt scenario. I'm guessing that your debts are pretty low. Yeah, our debt is zero. We have no debt. No debt. Our what? Yeah, no debt. You have no debt. Okay, that by itself is a really impressive statement. However, let's go look at your assets because they include one, two, three, four, five, six houses and with zero debt. That includes mortgages. You have zero dollars on mortgages in $920,000 worth of real estate. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. That's, that's, you know, you guys are, you guys are okay. Why don't you call us? <laughs> well, we've been We're listening afraid. for three years. And, and so, I need to ask you some questions. And so no. we, uh, yeah, we want to bump We're, it up. We want to get yeah. better at this. So. You won. <laughs> You've already. Won. I would just say we're really lazy. We just like just plug it all in, and we don't go through any of the work of you know figuring out leveraging. Yes. <laughs> okay. So hold on. Monthly spending is forty five hundred. Real estate income is forty six hundred. After that's your net real estate income. You won. Yeah. The end. Now you can just go sell horses for fun. Well, let's list the rest <laughs> of their assets just for fun then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just for fun. That's not all they have. Yeah. This is, so we have, I'm just going to say various Vanguard holdings in the total of $371,000. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. There are some Roth IRAs. There are some brokerage accounts. There are some money market accounts that are emergency funds. Um, 
And the bulk of that is in a Vanguard brokerage account. So that is an after-tax brokerage account. Do you have anything in a 401k or a pre-tax account? No. Okay. Um, you own a brewery or part of a brewery? <laughs> yeah, we yeah, own, that's Alexis. She, yeah. yeah, we we own shares in a, a brewery out of Atlanta. I bet actually a lot of your, or some of the listeners probably know of Monday Night Brewing, but um, they were friends of my brother like when I was in college and they started brewing beer in their garage. And my brother called me one day and he's like, you should give some money to these guys. And I had some cash on the side and I gave it to them and they've made us a ton of, I mean, yeah, uh, clearly it's worth a lot now. So it's pretty cool. So it's just shares. I should probably, I should probably have some market research on this before I could really comment on that. So Monday night brewery, you can send me some beer. There you go. Uh, I like the, yeah, very good. I like the dark beer. There you go. Okay. Uh, and in addition to $920,000 worth of real estate and $371,000 in Vanguard Holdings, you have $114,000 worth of a brewery that you, that's passive income, like 100% passive. They never call you for anything or they just send you money every once in a while. No, we just hold the shares right now. We're not like, we're not, we had a decision a couple months ago to get a payout and we decided to reinvest. Um, so we're just constant. We're just leaving the money there, letting it reinvest, and letting them continue to build. We're just keep yeah. building our equity. Yeah, and is uh, a company that we love, and we just uh, yeah, great guys. We want so to we support just, them as much as we, we can, like, and we don't need the money right now. So we just act like we don't have it. You yes. know, we just ignore it, kind of. And okay, it's great. <laughs> and then you own five horses that are three hundred and thirty thousand dollars total, which is. I think a bit of a misnomer because people who are not looking at your numbers will be like, wow, that's like whatever 330 divided by five is. You have four horses that are worth like 20,000 and one horse that's worth 250,000. So is that like four horses that are one gender and one horse that's a different gender? Because clearly I'm not a horse expert. I know I'm hiding that really well. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so um, yeah, this, I'm looking at the paper right now. And uh, yes, uh, this different genders different age uh and also uh so the age will give you um an idea of the level where they add in the training um so the value um uh, that we put on uh is only what we spend on them and as far purchase the horse or if we raise the horse how much we spend on it until now um, the value of the horses might not be those numbers. It, it actually probably way higher than 348,000. Um, but it's what we spend on them pretty much. Yes. The $250,000 horse though, that is his insured value. So yes. that horse in particular, um, performed really, really well the past year yes. and a half. And, uh, so we've just consistently upped his insurance. And so now we bought him originally for twenty five thousand yeah, with we, a partner, mm -hmm. and um, and now he's performed really well. We've received a lot of paychecks from him, and so we've just continued to boost up his insurance. So if he, he's a very valuable horse as far he can go on and still win a lot of money. He's very competitive in uh, in the industry that we are in, and also he uh, he uh, he's now a sire, which means that uh, we sell his semen. 
uh, because he was super, he was very successful. People were interested to breed to him. And so we didn't have the, the balance sheet of his work as far as a sire this year yet. Uh, but we'll he bred around year. 70 mares and each Siemens are sold for 2,500. Uh, and so, and basically, we have a partner on it. So basically each baby is 2,500. Yes. If you buy a breeding, if you buy a breeding, you pay 2,500, a part of it, 500 bucks going to the breeding station who is taking care of that horse and handling the semen and chipping the semen. And the rest is between us and our partners. Great. Do you guys own your house? We, we actually live for free because I manage a ranch um, that's a breeding facility and um, I have housing in my job. So we don't pay utilities or anything. We have everything for free. And also what we realized is we were very lucky. It's very popular in the industry that we are in uh, that if you work to train horses uh, a few times uh, since we were, we were married, we were married since seven years now. Yeah. Um, and, uh, since we were married, we never pay for housing. We've, um, we've lived in some interesting places for yes. sure. And so, um, but the gift is, yes, we lived, but in it's very... always been free. So we've always <laughs> taken it. Yes. We were very grateful. Phenomenal. Okay. So we, we got to spend, uh, three to five minutes here and get a condensed version of your money story here in order to get in, to, to get a picture of this because your position is phenomenal. We have a $1.8 million net worth and you're telling us that that's way undervaluing uh, your horses uh, yes. with that. You live for free. We've got a, we've got a phenomenal financial situation overall, um, really unique jobs um, and, and, and living situation. So could you give us a five-minute overview of how your money story transpired? Uh, yeah. Um, I... To, to do it really briefly, I grew up in a family that was in manufacturing. My grandfather, uh, after the war, after World War II, he took over a corrugated box manufacturing business. My whole family was in that for years. Uh, so I grew up with a lot of comfort with debt, with, um, we, there was always, it seemed like there was always money. I didn't really know whether there was or not, but it just seemed like there was. And um, I had like zero financial education. Um, my parents were much more worried about um, kind of my my moral status, me being a good person rather than teaching me about finances, which I appreciate. But, you know, when you get out out of the house, it gets more complicated. Um, so anyway, uh, that business, though, sold when I was 16 years old. My um and we all, as you know, family members, we did receive a chunk of that company, a little piece. There was a lot of debt that had to be paid, but I did receive a small piece. And um, that went towards, uh, it went into managed funds. I had no idea about it. Nobody told me what to do with it. It went into managed mutual funds. I took money out of there to pay for college to build a house because my brother's an amazing woodworker and I paid for it all in cash. It's ridiculous. Uh, thinking back. And then also, um, I started a business, a small business, um, with, uh, one of my brothers. Anyway, all that to say that was kind of my story, really little education. I got a big chunk of cash and I didn't really know what to do with it. And so I did things that I thought were good. And then I kind of panicked when I started figuring out that that was a really, bad idea. So I just left it all in the managed funds and, um, and then max, uh, well, anyway, and then after that, 
you know, kind of fast forward to when we got married. Um, That's when we stunned. I, I didn't tell Max anything about my financial status until like a week before we got married. Yeah, I have no idea. And we actually talked about <laughs> just giving away um, everything and just starting from zero. But we really didn't even know what to do with where yeah. we stood. And we For just... For two years in your marriage, too. We never touched that money. Yeah, we didn't touch any of that. And it was around, I think it was around $200,000 at that point. So we just left it and managed mutual funds. Um, so, and then Max's kind of history with money, you can yeah, tell it's, it briefly. It's but. very different. Um, my parents, I grew up in South of France. Uh, my parents, uh, my mom was selling insurance um, and uh, was working in a big company uh, for insurance. And uh, my dad was a banker. Uh, they didn't have a lot of money, but they sold, they quit their job and took my brother and my sister and buy a piece of property and a building that was going down and they rebuilt it. Um, they were, they had huge, huge debt that, um, I felt it through my childhood. Uh, it was a big stress in the family. Uh, so, it was a vineyard. I don't know if you said yes, that. Yes, and it was vineyard a vineyard. And bre- my breakfast. dad, my dad went back to school. It was just we lived very little, and uh, it, that was very present in our life. Um, and so that's why, also, I think to fast forward, um, that's why we don't have debt now. Also, um, with my combination of being afraid of debt, and Alexis had a little bit of cash that push us forward uh we figure out how to stay out of that um but we had both zero uh, money education my only money uh that i had uh, in high school around the high school and all this uh was me working horses uh for outside people and buying horses and selling. actually there's a story that we should tell right now because max always forgets this story when max was Oh yeah, to buy my first horse. Ten years old? Were you ten? Yeah, no, a little younger. To I I bought um, I had different jobs. um, (laughs) But one one of my first um, and my first uh, business that I built was uh, I love rats, and so I uh, built a breeding uh, rat company. A breeding program for rats, pretty much. Yes, so I bred rats like crazy, (laughs) and they sell really good. So I made really good money doing this and then uh, that gave me enough cash to buy a saddle a bridle a pad and a horse and some fencing and so when I was 10 year old I figured out I no I asked my parents I, because they had some land I asked my parents if I could buy a horse and uh, they no first I wanted a horse and my parents approached me say that's a great idea how you're gonna get it done and <laughs> we're um, not gonna help you we can't help you so I got it done with the rats and then slowly um, I quit the rats, buy my first horse and uh, I actually bought a second horse six months later and then I stopped flipping horses like And crazy. then he like networked himself with all these pony clubs that wanted horses and mm-hmm. so Max would buy these cheap horses mm-hmm. and tr- train them, ride them and then like just yeah, sell them just to the pony them. club to these kids who wanted a horse that was yeah, broke. Yeah, and which kind of pushed me forward when I was 15 I wanted to come work for this horse trainer in US and I didn't speak English uh, but my English teacher uh, <laughs> write an email for me and I f- <laughs> stole the credit card of my parents bought an airplane ticket and I paid my parents back obviously but uh, I told I, I didn't have a credit card so I had to steal it and I 
wanted to get it done before arguing with them. Um, so, uh, I flew to us just on all the money I made on horses in South of France. And then after through high school, I kept on going doing this. Uh, and then, uh, after high school, I got offered a job with this big horse trainer and, uh, I had probably $15,000, uh, coming to us. Yes. So that's where I started. And then I had a job, but I don't know if I can say that on the podcast, but I had a job that was not paid, totally illegal uh, for three years. I had a legal visa, but I was um, I was not paid and worked. Yeah. That's awesome. And what year did you guys get married? 2016. Yeah. Awesome. And so most of the, the wealth beyond that $200,000 in cash you had has been accumulated in the last six years by flipping yes. horses with your salary, living frugally investing yes. and then um buying cash free real estate or debt free real estate. Yes. Yes. Phenomenal. That's awesome. All right. So, how can we help you here today? <laughs> yeah. So, uh one of for me one of the biggest my biggest question is um is I'm one of starting... the biggest arguments in our house and the biggest question we have. <laughs> yeah, now, is about debt. <laughs> yes, it's about debt. I I did not like debt, but now that we build some kind of uh you know, like an portfolio, yeah. an essay that produce enough money. Uh, I feel more comfortable to use debt and to maybe if debt will help us to push us to maybe we would like to in two to, to five years, we'll like to have, um, 10 houses, maybe more, uh, and 500,000 in, in a brokerage account. Um, that's our big goal right now. And so, and we're, we're also dealing with like, we, uh, we're paying a lot of taxes, um, for, for high income. And we're trying to figure out how to like, you know, how we can incorporate some good debt into our lives so that we can mitigate that a little bit. Let me ask you this. What would you do with the tent and houses and, and from a lifestyle perspective, the tent houses and the, uh, 500,000, the brokerage account? Uh, personally, I will keep doing what I do, probably a, a small paste. Uh, I have, a, you know, a pretty intense paste at work. Um, and, uh, and also maybe investing more into our own horses. Uh, right now we have five horses, but I would love to have 10, 15, 15. Basically horses. ride more for yourself, run your insurance. Yeah. With, I have a very good partner that I would love to keep working with. Uh, and, uh, also, just investing harder maybe in the horses uh, with me and Alexis because the horses is great, but it's high cost and it is uh, very, very risky. Extremely risky. I mean, a horse can die. I have one right now that is sick and I don't know how it's, I mean, I'm going to take care of it, do all we can, but, but we easily... might lose 20,000 right now. Yeah. He could lose it tonight. Like it could so. be gone. <laughs> and does insurance pay anything if a horse dies? Yes, yes, yeah, they the, do. But I mean, you do insure a horse. I mean, you you do whatever you want to do. You can insure a horse that costs you five hundred bucks. But you usually, my perspective is, they need to show you that they have a lot of talent. Uh, they have to, yeah, show you that is a good prospect before I put insurance on them. Ah, so this which is a little bit risky. Yeah, so they kind of have to. This earn horse their- doesn't have an insurance. Yes, yes, so they- he should. They- <laughs> I know. He should. He's very he should, good. especially today. <laughs> yeah, but that's always how it goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> always yes. how it goes. 
Okay. Um, but I, I think also Scott, um, I have a, I have a really great position right now and, um, we would love like we, we, Max and I both just work a lot of hours all the time. We have a six month old kid and, um, we're trying to figure out how to like chill a little bit, how to become a little bit more. Um, like we always talk about, you know, quitting our jobs and moving somewhere. And the thing we haven't tried is just moderation. You mm-hmm. know, uh, we haven't tried moderating thing like the level of work that we're doing because our work is also very physical. Um, we both just have to like be out in the elements, like pretty much all year. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a lot. And it's, it's and- horses. So I like, on Sunday at eight o'clock, we got a call and you we have, have to go, to go check a horse. And for an hour, we have to figure out how we're going to do with the kid and go check the horse and take care of it. Yeah. Um, so it's figuring out like how we can, yeah, change one, a little bit the way we're doing one, it right now. One reason we're doing that is because we, we do want to continue. You know, we, we've been in this mindset of like, we got to save for the next house. We got to save for the next house. So we've been just working so much to be able to just, we got to keep everything steady so that we can continue to save for this passive income. But now we are looking at the numbers and we're like, okay, we've kind of reached our, our, uh, our fine number or whatever, but, um, we're still, I guess we're still just afraid. And, uh, there's lots of things we would do. Oh, you know, Max is from France. We always talk about opening a bakery. We always talk about doing different different things outside of the horse business. We do love the horse business a lot. Yeah. And we want to stay and involved wanna, and keep doing do. what we're doing. Maybe different, different. But anyway, I don't know if that answers your question a little bit, but you know, we basically just want to like double what we've done already with the houses. And so that we feel really safe to make any kind of a gentle transition, not necessarily quitting our jobs because we both really value work and we want to model that for our children. But, um, but we do want to also do other things. Here's how I, I would instinctively react, and you can let me know that. First, I, I don't think twice as many houses is going to help your situation because it's. I think you have a mental problem, not a financial problem here. Your, your houses pay for your expenses. But you're like, it, like I'm not a, mental, not a mental problem. You have, a, you have, a, you have a mental. You uh, you, no, you have a mental block. Yeah, not not a. Yeah, sorry, but like, but like, I think I think you have like, hey, I'm. Why am I so worried about money? I got nine paid off rentals. I got a brewery pay, giving me passive income on top of that. My expenses are forty five hundred dollars a month. I live for free, and yeah, like if you wanted to just chill out now, you could do that, right? That's that's totally an option with your current situation. Adding debt to the equation is going to hurt that temporarily, not help it, because you're going to refinance your mortgage, your current properties, and you're going to if you pull out, you know, let's call it four or five hundred grand, you're almost certainly going to get three hundred three thousand ish in expenses on top of that. You have to buy more property and it'll be actually, it'll actually almost feel even more tight in the short run, right? The, a lot of people's long-term goal is to get to six paid off rental properties on a million dollar portfolio and chill on 4,500 <laughs> in passive income per month. So like, like it's almost backwards to go the other way, unless you want to get very, very wealthy, which is not what I'm hearing you say. I'm not hearing you say, I want to build a huge net worth. You're saying, I want to feel secure. So my, my next reaction to that, uh, 
So my next reaction to that is, I don't think, I think it's a cash, I think there's a little bit of a cash issue here. You have plenty of cash, your financial position is rock solid. But wouldn't, you know, in the case where you have a horse that could go, you know, get sick and die and lose 20 grand, or you have all these rental properties and this stuff, I would feel more comfortable if I was sitting on like a hundred grand in cash that I could just, you know, feel very good about that. I, I don't have to worry about that to cover my business and personal expenses at a high level. And then after that, you guys are going to stockpile you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars per year. I think you're very underestimating the potential in your um, horse flipping business here with that, right? You're, you're, you told me you're underestimating that. You have you have assets that are worth five half a million dollars at least in the current horses you have. Um, there there's some there's something there where you could just do that business full time right now if you wanted to or part time. Um, whatever. And it seems like you love it. You seem like you're world-class at this, uh, at, at this activity and that this is not something that you're just going to give up on next year. So it's not really a financial freedom thing. Like you're going to be dealing with horses at 8 PM in the evening, uh, under any circumstance that is real is, is realistic based on my take talking to you for 30 minutes. So how, how does that feel as an initial diagnosis of your situation? This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my 9-to-5 job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. What if I told you that I, Mindy Jensen, the queen of budgeting, the personal finance fanatic, sometimes forgot to cancel my subscriptions? I know it's horrible. $10 here, $15 there. My useless subscription bills could have taken my whole family out to dinner multiple times. Rocket Money can make all that subscription sadness suddenly vanish. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. You can see all your subscriptions in one place and cancel money-sucking subscriptions with a tap. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash bpmoney. That's rocketmoney.com slash bpmoney. Rocketmoney.com slash bpmoney. Real estate investing is great, but for some, the tenant phone calls and clogged toilets aren't all that attractive. So how do you invest in real estate without getting your hands dirty? Invest for truly passive income with Pine Financial Group. Pine's mortgage fund offers an 8% preferred return and an attractive profit split. 
with 70% of profits going to the investors. You'll earn passive income by participating in lending to house flippers. And it's secure because senior lien holders, that's you, get paid first. Their rigorous underwriting process and the backing of the physical asset provide additional security in case of borrower default. Plus, by investing with Pine Financial Group, you contribute to the revitalization of communities by redirecting your funds from Wall Street to Main Street, supporting local economies, and generating profits simultaneously. This investment is reserved for accredited investors, but if you are not accredited, Pine Financial has options for you too. Don't miss this opportunity to back Main Street over Wall Street and start earning passive real estate income. Learn more about investing with Pine at pinefinancialgroup.com BP. That's pinefinancialgroup.com BP. Saving for a down payment, a wedding, or just looking for extra money to invest? Monarch Money turns your budgeting woes into wins. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best budgeting app overall. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com pockets. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it easy to manage your money like a pro. Add a partner or family member to your account for no extra cost, so combined finances become a breeze. Customize your budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions, and more. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com pockets. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash pockets for your extended 30-day free trial. I yeah, I agree. Uh, I agree on the fact that yes, I will keep riding horses. Um, I want to, um, but I also feel like uh, Alexis and I decide to, you know, for example, uh, homeschool our kids. Um, we have one, but we'll like to have more. Um, and so that will maybe take away uh, the potential of Alexis to have a job uh full time maybe she will work more with me in my business um but um so that means we need to if she quit her job that means we need to move out of this house we live for free uh so we need to go buy a house which um, we've never had housing costs so we're really afraid of that which sounds very funny i know yes. but we are like we we feel like little kids you know it's like we do look at our numbers and we're like wow it does look good but you know, we've never had to buy a personal residence. And so we, we feel like that's kind of scary. Um, so anyway, maybe this yeah, is more a counseling in, plus session. In, in, in the region right now in Dallas, it's really hard to buy houses. I mean, we've been looking at a bunch of houses and I mean, for two. Well, you have two, sticks. Where, where are those located? <laughs> yeah. yeah, too far from here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, those are located in, in Kansas. So, um, Wichita in Kansas City. If there's anybody in DFW who wants to find us a great duplex, mm. we'd love that. Yes. So. <laughs> um, but yes, so buying a house here is very expensive. And we probably right now, because I didn't sell horses and we have like, what, 25000 in our saving in the bank, um, we probably going to have to use debt to go buy one if we find something that we like and feel comfortable to purchase. Um, maybe in two months? No. Maybe we'll have plenty of cash to go buy one. But um, so there's a part of us that 
okay, if we want to uh, maybe do homeschool and Alexis maybe want to wean herself out of her job, um, because it is a very stressful job, especially with the person she's working with. Okay. I have a lot of things to say. My first thing that I'm going to say is your current six paid off properties rental income is $4,600. Your current expenses are $4,500. 4600 minus 4500 is 100 extra dollars. So both of you quit your jobs right now. <laughs> Number two, Scott is very harsh, but I'm not going to completely disagree with him. Um, <laughs> I, I, I came out wrong. I was that way. Yeah. No, 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 we no, love no. it. We, that's what we want your feedback. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what we have to call. Third question is you are currently saving $4,500, $1,000 on your rent and $3,500 for Max's salary. What are you doing with this money? Where does the $1,000 for rent go? And where does the $3,500 for Max's salary go? Right now that's going towards like what we do in our, we've set up our personal banking um, so that we, you know, we have uh, like, I don't know, a bunch of different accounts in there, but we separate it out and we have sa just general savings that typically goes towards, um, you know, like a, a, a down payment on, or not a down payment, but it goes towards paying for a house. So we just let that savings bank account grow, grow, grow. And then we also have a separate bank account that is the, it's for the houses and here. Yeah. So the reinvestment amount that just continues to grow as well. So basically those two in tandem grow. So that 4,500, like that'll just go into our savings um, and then we'll transfer out a thousand dollars to invest in our Vanguard brokerage, which is exclusively VTSAX. We don't even think about it. We just do it, try to do it on a monthly basis. Um, and then we let those, the rental house account, and then also our savings account grow and to potentially buy another house. The thing that it does strap us for, I mean, the thing that is tricky about this tactic, uh, is that we will have opportunities that will, we we can't reach. So for example, I'm always looking like I'm always, I have a, we invest in Wichita, Kansas, which is where I'm from. Um, because I know the market really well, or I know the neighborhoods. I'll say that I know the neighborhoods really well. The other reason we invest in Wichita is that our property management company is incredible there. We love them. So we've invested all of it there. I'll be watching Wichita's market. We'll see a house come up or something. But then we look at our savings. We look at our bank account and we're like, we only have $50,000 in cash right now. So we can't go buy that house because we haven't allowed ourselves to buy on debt. Um, so anyway, that's Mindy to answer your question long, the long way. Uh, the, that savings goes just into a bank account and just sits there until we have enough to buy another house. Okay. Did you tell us? Did you tell us how much is in that bank account? Um, right, right now, right. 25000 That's good. And then um, why doesn't your company buy a horse property for you to live on? Because then your corporation can buy this. I And Scott, correct me if my, I'm wrong. CPAs, tax pros, tax, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. But if your corporation buys this house and provides you free housing, which is a thing in horse. Yes, business industry. 
in the horse community. So that's totally valid in my mind, but definitely check with somebody who knows what they're talking about. And the corporate income that you have so much of that you're paying all these taxes on has now purchased this asset. Scott, is that how assets work with corporations? Yeah, I'm I'm a little more rusty on this. So I don't want to say anything that I'm not sure on. Um, I think you could either buy it as a business and then have the business pay you for that, or you could buy it in your personal name and have the or, or a different entity name and have the business own one business own one thing, the the actual business of buying and selling horses and the other business own the real estate and land on that. But that would be a good thing to do some homework on with your yeah. CPA. With your tax professional, yes, who knows what they're talking about. Um, yes, um, but I, I personally don't want to go through the headache of owning a, comp, uh, owning a ranch. Uh, there's so many ranch or- built in North Texas. Uh, that are amazing and I just rent stalls out of it and uh, actually my partner built an amazing facility uh, and I just rent stalls but maybe the company could buy a house yes that that's something we're kind of thinking is to buy a house because my employee uh, could live in the house instead of right now I'm, I'm renting or a room for him possibly um, we could buy a house that has like another option for another room and he could live there. We could live in the main house. Or yes. Something like that. Or, or buying a big enough house that uh, there's so many people working around horses and we know so many people working in the business that we probably could uh, rent those extra rooms um, to other people yeah. that are, they are involved. <laughs> Max is still thinking about like making money on it. I'm thinking about us moving into it. <laughs> but, but I think, but I think that's the key is, is you guys are set from from a financial position, you guys, you guys, um, you know, you're not going to do anything rash. You think through every all these things very carefully. Like my 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 zooming out would be like, okay, like clearly this is more than just this is more than a business, more than a hobby. It's a passion that you've got for these horses. So set up your life long term to facilitate that in a happy way that you're going to like. Um, buy the house you like <laughs> um, that you're going to be happy in for a long period of time. Uh, maybe go a little higher with that. It's great if you have a house hack or additional supplemental income, but like you can afford to do that at this point um, to, to a certain degree. And like, sure, you won't be, your rental income alone will no longer pay for all of your expenses at that point, but you still have a million in other assets that you can, that you could, you can redeploy at any time for that, that you're, you're, you know, and by the way, your, yeah, your horse could go, could, 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 could get sick and die. One of your five horses, but the stock market can also go down 30% as can real estate value. So it's the same risk profile across your asset classes. You just happen to have a lot more, a lot of wealth concentrated into an alternative asset class horses that you know really well, and are probably likely to get a much better ROI on than these other asset classes. So I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. In, in, in your situation with that. So I think, I think it's like, put down, this, you know, this goes back to like, we get the same advice. I feel like, a, you know, uh, we've got another, but like sit down and say, what do I want to be in three years? And where do I, what, what does that look like? What's a happy life there? Homeschool, nice house. we got a sunset view. I don't know, whatever, right? Um, we're, we're very easy horseback ride or drive or ATV or whatever. However you get, you cowboys get around um, to do your work, right? We're very, very, very easy with that. And we've got all these other things. Like, let's go make that happen. And surely 
in, you know, even if it's a little bit of a stretch in the next year or two, my business has such good prospects that even if I take on $300,000 in debt or something like that, I could probably pay it off in two or three years if I am debt, debt adverse from the, the flipping business here, not to mention my salary. So this is how I would be thinking about your situation right here. I think you are, you are, you are in the privileged position of being able to design your dream life. Um, like go do it <laughs> and then start living it in the next couple of years would be, would be my, my opinion on this. And then if, and, and, and I also like the no debt, I think it's a personal choice. And I think you guys are thriving in that situation. Why take on a lot of debt for debt's sake, take it on if you need it to accelerate your vision by a year or two and then pay it off. Um, because you have that, you have the ability to do that with your, your situation. You just, if you get unlucky for a year or two with a couple of, uh, the market or whatever, then you'd pay it off in three, four or five, you, your, your income can cash flow it from your, your wage income, even with one salary plus those, those properties. So I'm ranting here about how good you guys are doing, but hopefully yeah, this is helpful. Yeah. Like, I think, I think you're ready to, to map out exactly how you want to live your day-to-day -day life. And then you can begin making those changes tomorrow if you wanted, because of the way you've set yourself up. I, w I, I do think you'll be feel more comfortable with that after, as you stockpile closer to six figures in cash, though, um, as just a little kind of cross the T or dot the I um, to do, which is crazy. Reality. <laughs> we, I mean, we, we are very curious about, you know, the only thing we've done is single family. And so we're like really interested to branch into multifamily. Um, and we feel like we'd have less, a little bit less competition in that area, but we're, um, you know, that's going to require us a, a lot higher savings rate and everything. Yeah. But, and to but, be also, ahead. to be honest, we got, we stopped being passionate about real estate. We stopped really loving it. Enjoying you know, it a lot. We stopped doing it and we we're like, wow, this is, this is great uh, for us, for our lifestyle. And we, you know, I don't know if I want to quit right now. I, I feel like we're just starting and I want to keep on, I want to keep on moving. With the real it's, estate. It's saying, oh yeah, I did a good job on a horse. I sold it for, I made 20,000. Good job, Max. No, I want to make a horse that worth, you know, 150,000. And it's the real estate is the same way for me. It's maybe my competitive part of it is like, well, we tried it to see if it's going to fit our lifestyle. It did. And now I'm, Personally, I am that way. I'm like, okay, well, What's what can next? we do next? What, and how can we? I think also, I mean, I'm sure I heard it somewhere on y'all show or on the real estate show, but you know, that money is like blood, you know, it needs to circulate. It needs to keep moving. And we feel very much that way. Like we just, we never, we, keep we're money. in the, like the prime years of our working life. And we're like, we want to continue to just like Build. go at it and like, you know, build and not just let our money like sit. Like, I feel like our money is kind of lazy right now in those houses. Maybe it's not. Um, but I feel like it's just kind of sitting there. It is giving us a little, you know, I love the paychecks that we get from those houses. I'm so grateful, but I'm also like, um, I'm kind of curious about like reviving can we be that. Smarter yeah. Can it? we be smarter about it? Or because we, we only did it one way. So, so the goal, the goal is less about achieving a lifestyle outcome and more about playing the game of wealth building more optimally. Yes. Is that, is that a right yes. way to phrase the, phrase the goal? Yeah, I think so. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, if, if that's the case, you can certainly do that. And then you know where to go. You've got $920,000 in equity. You can leverage it probably at a 75 LTV. So you could get, you know, close to $700,000 in, in cash out of that. You're going to get that at a 
seven-ish percent interest rate, so it's going to be high. So you're going to have to be creative with how you use that. I'd start smaller uh, and, and take out only a chunk of that in the first place when you buy the next, the the the, the first or next thing. But yeah, I mean, try it. Buy your twenty-five thousand dollar horse equivalent, the hundred twenty-five thousand dollar house, or something like that, or the three hundred thousand dollar duplex, or the small multifamily properties. Uh, start start doing that, and then begin accelerating the game like you would in your in your horse business. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or I imagine yeah. how I imagine it went for your horse business. But yeah, I think that's yeah. I think that's great. You're, it will create stress and more work um, in that, but you'll also build yeah. wealth and and um, yeah. So I, I think that's interesting that we got to that. That's the goal. It was less about the lifestyle, <laughs> more about um, playing the game of 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 building wealth. Okay, I'm gonna jump in here because you said game twice. This yeah. is not a game, Scott. <laughs> playing playing the strategic maneuvers to uh, planning out the strategic maneuvers to generate wealth. But, and then Alexis, you said you feel like your money is lazy. I know that there are people listening right now who are saying, oh my goodness, all that money is just sitting there in equity. It's dead equity. Use that money to generate more money. But I heard Max say that he is so averse to debt. He doesn't want any debt. This is a conversation to have. How much debt are you comfortable with, Max? Zero is a valid answer. But if you go and get a bunch of leveraged properties and then you can't sleep at night, you did not win the game of building wealth. Scott's game. Yeah, you're exactly right. So this is, you know, by one with some leverage and see how that makes you feel. Oh my goodness, I have a mortgage. It gives me the heebie-jeebies. Pay off the mortgage and then your money isn't being lazy. It is buying you income and it is growing as the properties appreciate. And that is valid. So it doesn't have to be leveraged to the hilt. I appreciate that. And I think yeah, it is a, it, it's a very good point because it is something that like I'm much more comfortable thinking about debt than Max is usually. And yes. that's a good, like, uh, it's just a thing in our marriage that we have to figure out. But, um, yeah, I think that, that the other reality that we look at and, you know, everybody's mortal, but, you know, Max's job is very risky, like mm-hmm. high, high risk. Like he's going in the, the, the round pen with unbroke horses that want to kill him, like he, 20 horses in, in January. You know, so it's like, this is like, I mean, it's a lot. And he's very safe. He's very safe and he does a really good job. But that's part of where we are terrified to lean on the horse business because if Max breaks his leg, it's done. Like, no horses. Like, we have to sell them. We have to get rid of them. Or figure out friends. Other training. But we have to pay them to ride all All of a sudden, they become liabilities instead of assets. So... That's uh anyway that's kind that's kind of part of part that's, of it also. That's also why we did no debt um idea also is because I was very afraid and this is why also we have a forty thousand emergency fund uh just because if I do break my leg for for three months or six months um then I can't work um but yeah I I think you have a point Mindy as for like um how comfortable I am with that and, you know, maybe go try to buy one house on that and see how that feel. Yeah. Um, that's a good, yeah, I like that. And then if we feel better about it and feel good about it, then we can go kind of where Scott's saying is like, leverage more of our portfolio. Yes. Leverage more of the portfolio. I also think that you should consult with a tax pro. 
about your tax situation. And you can find CFPs, fee-only financial advisors and uh, tax professionals at the xyplanningnetwork.com. This is run by Michael Kitsis, who is brilliant and walks on water and knows everything there is to know about money and tax and all the things. And you can find somebody who specializes in your thing. So they specialize in small business or they specialize in self-employment or they specialize in real estate or there's a bunch of different options to choose from and you can really help narrow it down. Um, A couple of episodes that we have are episode, I think, 41 or 44 with Kyle Mast, episode 81 with Kyle Mast, and episode 200 with Kyle Mast. I don't know if you're sensing a pattern here. I love Kyle Mast. Um, He gives a lot of really great information about how to find a CFP, questions to ask, and just like things your CFP should be doing, how much it costs. Like they will go over your financial situation similar to this, but they will actually have tax knowledge. And I think somebody who can help guide you with some, some tax preparation can help you cut down on the taxes that you're paying now. I, I think you're going to have a hard time with the taxes because you're flipping property, right? And and so you're making a lot of money, which is why you're paying a lot of taxes. Um, so that's a good problem with that. But there probably are games where if you're, if you're going to have a big loss one year, you know, don't sell your other, you know, uh, or, or or maybe make make a big sale that year, for example, to to keep stay in that ma- that major bracket. Or can you time certain transactions with the buyer to happen before or after January first? Um, to make sure that that those go into the the years that make more sense, you know. And if you have a big if you have a big one, you don't want to get into another tax tax bracket. Can you defer payment um, for a few months to put it into the next calendar year? Those would be games that your tax pro might be able to help you play a little bit better on okay. that front. Okay. Very good. But but I think I think the fundamental challenge is not going to go away. You have you have a lot of tax. You pay a lot of taxes. You make a lot of income because you're good at what you do. Um, so that's great. Great problem. Yeah. Be thankful for that problem. That's. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I have um, uh, one one more item here that I'll go back to. I I think that you're not clear on the game you want to play, and that's your fundamental problem. That's the men- that's the mental problem I was talking about. For you. so you're not sure if you want to maximize your wealth creation or you want to play it safe um, or whatever. And the grass is always greener because you can you can have anything you want at this point but you can't have all the things that you want which is always the problem with money uh, and including when you're a billionaire um, so I think I think what I like when I look at your situation from an outsider I see a phenomenal situation that I'm envious of right with no with no debt an awesome unique career that's going on there and the ability to do all these other things um, and so I would say don't it's tempting to play the game of of building that wealth, but you guys are already rich. You're likely to get richer. And if that leg did break or you had a problem like that, you'd be fine. You'd sell off those horses and and you'd find another way to make make money with your mind uh, instead of your body. And you're you're still working and and you're going to be in good shape. That might not be true if you went too far in over your skis and in certain directions with that. So I would say the grass is not always greener in those other cases would be be a, a, a little bit of a a warning there. And I would also just encourage you, yeah. you know, Hey, the next three, in two years, you can make enough from flipping horses to buy the house of your dreams, live in it, um, right next to where, where you want to be paid off as another rental property and, and be chilling with your complete debt-free scenario and more, more wealth there with that. So all of this is within reach. It's just a matter of what you want. And I would just warn you that the grass may not be greener on the leveraged side of the, the real estate investing equation. Um, 
You've, you've certainly won according to a lot of rule books. <laughs> yeah. Already. Yeah. Okay. Alexis and Max, this was a lot of fun. I learned a lot about horses. I didn't know anything about horses before. So I appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. And we'll talk Thank to you, you soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Scott, that was Max and Alexis, and they have a fabulous story of buying horses from age 10. You know what I bought when I was 10? I bought a candy bar. Did you buy horses when you were 10, Scott? Nope. I didn't buy anything at age 10. (laughs) Soccer cleats. Soccer cleats, rugby pads or whatever. I don't know. Rugby balls. Or football. I don't know how to play rugby. (laughs) Holy cow. Um, I do think you hit the nail on the head when you so eloquently posted, this is a mental problem. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It is. It, but but th- I mean, that's a really valid point. This is something that I have tried to like verbalize so many different times. Personal finance is a personal journey. And if you don't like debt, then don't go get debt. It doesn't matter that you could be making more with your money. It doesn't matter that you could be optimizing your finances in a different way. If you can't sleep at night, what does it matter? Yeah. I mean, it, 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 at some point, like, and it, you know, it's hard to find a couple that is in better financial shape, right? I mean, maybe you've got, you know, entrepreneurs or rock stars uh, that, that are that are doing that have, you know, a, a more stable financial position. But I mean, this is this is as good as good gets, right? In in terms of what we, what, what what we see on this show, uh, what you know, a one point seven million dollar portfolio. You know, every asset is conservatively underwritten. You know, all their they're underestimating the value of all their real estate. They're underestimating the value of all their horses. Uh, they're underestimating all the value of the other accounts. So it's a really conservative position. They spend forty five hundred dollars a month. You know, that's an overstatement. Uh, and they've got buckets for capex and appro- appropriately categorized with that. And th- there's still a what do I do next? Am I ready to take this plunge? Am I ready to do these things? Right. And so that's I think it's like a good perspective shift to say no, no, no. I've won. The grass is always greener. I can always be optimizing for ROI. I can take my 1.7 or whatever two and a half million dollar net worth, whatever somewhere between those two numbers is what the real net worth is, and I can redeploy it into something that's likely to generate more returns, but is going to require me to watch it much more carefully. Is going to have uh, much more leverage on it, and may give me less freedom, or I can be very happy with the current situation. I think it's all about what you want. And in post recording, um, we talked we talked to them a little bit uh, privately. And we, it came out, you know, one of the the, the things that I think would be really helpful for them is that exercise of the money date and the vision setting, right? They need to go somewhere with a beautiful view, nice weather, have their cup of coffee and around 10 a.m. when they're feeling at their peak energy, just say, what do we want to do? Like, do we want to start investing, all, you know, uh, leveraging up our real estate? And building a big thing here. Do we want to buy a nice house and set up for set up for that? Do we want to just keep doing what we're doing? Like, what does good look like in terms of our life? And how do we? How does that inform the decisions about what we want to do with our money downstream? Because they can do anything they want uh, right now and have that luxury, and they just need to pick what it is that they want to do. They can't do all the things, right? Paula Pant says, "Afford anything, but not everything." Uh, they can they can do anything they want. They can't do everything. They can kind of afford everything. Yeah. (laughs) But yes, they are in a great position. And I think that the exercises and homework that you gave them to do are going to be hugely beneficial to them and to anybody listening who's in the same position. Oh, I'm stuck. What do I do next? Well, go back to the basics. What is it that you want? What do you want in five years? What do you want in 10 years? And, you know, map out a plan to get there or work backwards. You want this. How do you get there? 
And I think that's really great advice, Scott. The money date, I love that. I still love that advice every single time you give it. And I'll rant further here. You know, Max in particular is the kind of guy who's like, I, when I was eight years old, I bought a bunch of rats and bred them so I could buy a horse. And then I never stopped doing that. I did a thousand horses that I've broken in my, in my in my life, starting from age 10. And going when I was 15, I flew across the Atlantic Ocean to go and, and work for somebody who probably knew their stuff in that field to pursue my passion. Like, that, like it'll never get easier. I don't think we'll find another person on this show uh, who is like more certain of their passion in life than Max <laughs> from that. And there's still, uh, what do I do next with my money and my portfolio with it? So the problem never ends, um, even, even at these extreme end, ends where we've got a, a debt-free, finalized future state portfolio fully capable of sustaining five forever and a clear passion that we want to go after. It's still hard for Max and Alexis. It's going to be hard for you too. It's going to be hard for everybody, which is why um, I think it's helpful to talk about it and hear those perspectives. Absolutely. Okay, Scott, should we get out of here? Let's do it. From episode 326 of the Bigger Pockets Money podcast, he is Scott Trench and I am Indy Jensen saying, get on the bus, octopus. The market is changing, and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom, and the best investors know it's not about timing the market, it's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into real estate investing or take it to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With the Bigger Pockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com slash deals, enter a few details about what and where you want to buy, and boom, instantly matched with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com slash deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com slash deals. That's biggerpockets.com slash deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.